0: Praised be Jesus Christ. Peace be with you. So check it out. This weekend, uh, I was so blessed to be able to take a visit back home to Oregon, specifically to Mount Angel Seminary. I was back there for a really, really brief trip. Um, So all my friends in Oregon, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Don't be mad at me. (laughs) I didn't have any time to do anything, really, except for the thing that I went there to do, which is to be present, at my friend's ordination, my friend, brother Matthias of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, a holy Carmelite brother of this uh, Western province of the United States, who I knew in seminary um, at Mount Angel before I entered the Carmelites. I knew him there and was really inspired by him. Um, Then later, of course, knew him as a brother in Carmel when I entered the order. Um, Then, The year that I returned back to Mount Angel after I left the Carmelites, he went on his uh, diaconate year to St. Therese Parish in Alhambra, California, the biggest, the Carmelites' biggest parish out here in the West. He's been there um, ever since, serving as a deacon, growing in wisdom and grace, also growing an ever longer beard. (laughs) And now, finally, at last, the, the time of consummation has come, and he was ordained as a priest this past Saturday. September 8th, the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. her Mary's birthday, uh, it was an incredibly beautiful Mass. I was so, so blessed and honored to be there. And in fact, um, I, was able to, I was able to sing in the scola. There was a seminarian scola a choir that sang for the Mass. And uh, one of my diocesan brothers organized this. He's a musical genius. He picked out all of the music and got the guys together um, And when I learned I was going to be able to go, I told him, and he invited me to join in the choir. so um, while I've been down here at St. Patrick's the last few weeks, I was trying to practice the music, you know, we're singing some, some difficult pieces, some polyphony um, as well as chants some. Gregorian chant propers and, and things like that. So I was practicing, practicing, practicing. And then finally, we had just one chance to practice all together about half an hour before the Mass. <laughs> but totally by the grace of the Holy Spirit, it sounded phenomenal. We really, uh, I mean, you know, not, not out of vanity, but for God's glory, <laughs> it was really incredible. I was in tears uh, f- f- several times during the Mass. And I was just kept praying in my heart, Holy Spirit, gotta make me stop crying because I gotta sing in a minute. (laughs) But really, uh, it was such an incredible day. However, the trip getting up there was extremely difficult, Um, and this is the kind of the story I thought I I would tell this week for the podcast. I was thinking, what would be good to talk about this week? Well. My friend Victor and I both left from St. Patrick's. We were both at Mount Angel together and came down here to study. So he and I both decided to go up together this weekend for the ordination. So we left St. Patrick's on Thursday afternoon, about two o'clock in the afternoon. And um, none of us have classes on Fridays. So we asked permission from the vice rector uh, to be able to leave on Thursday. He said, that's fine. So right after our last class on Thursday, get into the car and we go. So we're going, going, going. Um, first hurdle, of course, we were in the Bay Area, so and it was about two or three in the afternoon, so there was intense, intense traffic. Uh, but that was fine, that was fine. So we were just talking, having a good time. Eventually we made it to Sacramento, which is where Victor is from. So we got to Sacramento, and uh, stopped there, we, ha- we had dinner, real quick dinner, and we went to see his family, and basically went to his house, um, knocked on the front door, <laughs> they didn't know he was coming, <laughs> knocked on the door, greeted them, each of them, gave him a hug, and literally continued walking through the house out of the back door <laughs> and went back to the car so we could be on our way because we were planning to stay over in Ashland, okay, the first town over the, the Oregon border, you know, first one that you would get to. So we had planned to stay there. I uh, contacted the pastor of the parish there and had made arrangements to stay at the Newman Center at Southern Oregon University. So they have a a Newman Center with guest rooms and it was all set up, you know, we're planning to get there. But uh, I had thought, you know, uh, naively, we would probably be there by maybe 10 p.m., you know, okay, with traffic, maybe 11 p.m. Okay, that's fine. Well, by the time we arrived in Sacramento, it was already after six. It was about seven by the time we left. So we're driving, 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 continuing on up I 5, <laughs> having a great time. We're praying the rosary right as the sun was setting. It's a beautiful moment. Um, and we're driving through these kind of low hills. Um, and they're, it was very, very beautiful. The hills were, were bare, sort of scrubby like grass. Um, but in that light, you know, apparently, I, I learned this weekend that that light at that time of day is called the golden hour. It's like the hour, hour and a half or so before the sun sets. And it's uh, The lights; it's a different frequency of light. And so it's uh, more red tones, less blue, and it kind of draws out this beautiful warmth of everything uh, in, in God's creation. So we're driving through these hills, and the sunlight's on the hills, and we're praying the rosary. It was a beautiful, uh, beautiful time. Then we made it to Redding. Okay, the sun had set, made it to Redding, gosh, by then it was probably nine, okay, nine o'clock. Now, there is a huge wildfire that broke out in California, just north of Redding, uh, the very night before we left to go on this road trip, and um, so I saw it, I'd read about it. Well, what ended up happening was this wildfire, which had started out was very small and was just kind of... I think maintaining its size, maybe growing slowly, um, and they were fighting it. Overnight, the night before we left, it grew from something like, you know, I don't know, a fa- maybe 5,000 acres to like 500,000 acres. It just grew enormously all of a sudden. And so I was seeing these pictures online of what it, what the, the situation was like on I-5, just north of Reading. They had like f- walls of flame 300 feet high, They had, uh, you know, trucks on the road had had caught fire. I mean, there was damage to the asphalt. Asphalt? (laughs) Yeah, that thing. Uh, Damage to... So they had closed I-5 just north of Reading. And um, our only option was to take this enormous detour way around the city. I mean, you know, I've never seen a detour like this before. It took us probably 150 miles out of our way. So we stopped in Reading, you know, we got gas, got coffee, okay, got fueled up, continued on, took this highway. It was pitch black, very, very dark, going through the woods, trees on either side. All of these trucks are stopped all along this little two lane country highway. They're pulled off in the shoulders on either side. So there's like very little room to maneuver, dark, low visibility, no cell service. Okay. <laughs> and then and it took us a good two hours or more, you know. We took this huge detour east and then it sort of took us on another highway that wrapped around back north and west. Eventually, praise be to God, we made it to Mount Shasta, which is right back on I-5. But as we're getting there, right as we were getting to the ramp to go to I-5, uh, we start smelling smoke we're passing through this cloud of smoke. It's getting thicker and thicker. We saw signs that said there's a detour up ahead. So like, oh no, I'm going to get caught in a fire or something. Fortunately, we were able to get an I-5 going north. Um, and I don't know what happened after we left. Maybe they did have another detour or closed the freeway. I don't know, but we made it through. Then continued on our way uh, into Oregon. So we finally arrived in Ashland, you know, about t- 2 o'clock in the morning. 2 a.m. I was dead tired. Thanks be to God, I had Victor also, you know, with me, so <laughs> we were able to keep each other awake, and we we're playing music, and we listened to, oh my gosh, every kind of music. Imaginable. Chant, polyphony, uh, like rock music, he- heavy metal, oh my gosh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, <laughs> I had never heard before. Anyway, we made it to Ashland. Okay, we made it there. Got to the Newman Center. Now, earlier in the day, I talked to the pastor And I talked to his deacon in Ashland. And the deacon had said, he told me, he gave me the code. There's a key code to get into the Newman Center. And then he told me that within the Newman Center, uh, the interior doors to the guest rooms would be locked. But I would be able to retrieve a key from a gray lockbox. And he said to just go in to the kitchen and go left. And and it would be in the gray lockbox. So I didn't ask any more questions at the time because I presumed it would be pretty easy to find this lockbox, but as it turned out, it was impossible to find. We went into the Newman Center, so we got in, we're completely exhausted, okay? We're like walking around in a a fugue state, you know? (laughs) We're like already mostly asleep, uh, going through drawers and cupboards and, you know, prying up the floorboards. (laughs) Okay, that's an exaggeration, but we looked just about everywhere we possibly could look. We could not find this lockbox. So all the interior doors were locked. We can get into the kitchen and we can get into the living room of this house. It's a converted house. So Victor is saying, you know, oh, let's just sleep on the couches. Okay, this will be, you know, we just got to get as much sleep as we can. Well, I texted Father Morrow, the pastor, and fortunately he texted right back. He was helping us out. He didn't know where the lockbox was either, but he told us we could go and stay at the rectory rather than staying at the Newman Center. He just warned us that there were two priests staying there already, so we'd have to be quiet. We didn't want to wake them up and alarm them because they might call the police <laughs> because they didn't know we were coming. So we loaded our stuff back into the car, drove, you know, over to the parish. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't too far, and there were no detours, and there were no wildfires. So we made it there. Got to the, the parish, um, went into the rectory, told us how to get in, and we crept down the hallway there's a, you know, we had a guest room we could stay in. Fortunately, one of the priests was awake. So I was able to alert him, you know, who we were and that we were there. He was a priest I knew. So that was nice. So finally, shortly after three o'clock in the morning, we were able to lie down and get some sleep. That was our first day of the journey. Got a little bit of sleep. Now, I was lying there in bed. And, and this is a, this was a great Grace, this was a great moment that I want to share with you. And after I tell the story, maybe I can go back and explain my thoughts about some of it a little bit. But uh, so, you know, this night, so we got there. I cannot express how tired I was. Uh, (laughs) It was totally by the grace of the Holy Spirit that and by the companionship of my brother that I was able to stay awake for that whole drive. Because, uh, you know, normally, I mean, I'm in bed by 9 p.m., and that, the night before, I'd been just like any other. I was in bed by nine and I got up you know, a little bit before five. So, I mean, we're ta- I'd been awake for a long time. So when I went to bed, I was ready <laughs> to like, get some sleep. Of course, we knew we had to leave early the next morning, but um, we were not planning to leave until nine. So I thought, you know, okay, I can sleep until 8.30. Well, I had not turned off my alarm on my phone, so my alarm went off at a quarter to five. So I had slept about an hour and a half. Alarm went off, silenced it straight away. But then I'm lying there in bed and I was not able to go back to sleep. And I was lying there and and I was a little bit anxious actually. I was feeling worried because I thought, you know, man, I'm gonna have to drive all day and I really need to be well rested, but I, I just can't sleep. And there was this little voice in the back of my head that I was hearing. And it was just it was just this, you know this sort of gentle but incessant reminder or like little nudge saying, "Why don't you go and pray your office? Why don't you go pray the breviary? It's lying there I thought, "Ugh, I mean I was I would like to do that, but I thought I have really a responsibility to try and get some sleep because I have to drive so I kept fighting this silent interior battle for about half an hour. Finally, it just became clear I was not going to be able to go back to sleep. And I thought, all right, I'm just going to get up. So I got up very quietly, crept down the hall to the living room. I got a glass of water and I lit a candle. And then, that was about 5.30 in the morning. And for the next three hours, it was such a grace. I was able to sit there. I prayed through my bravery. I got caught up on the hours of the day before, which I hadn't been able to pray before I completely collapsed the night before. So I prayed daytime prayer, evening prayer, and then I got a head start on the day with office of readings, morning prayer, and had about an hour of just sitting in God's presence, sitting in the presence of God's love, you know. And I felt, once this time had ended, completely replenished, rejuvenated, Full of energy, like I like I'd slept for eight hours. You know, it's incredible. So God really wanted to show me how much He loved me and to to kind of pour out His graces on me to begin the next stage of the journey. So I had that uh, had that going for me. <laughs> then a little bit after that, you know, we got ready to go. We headed out, hit the road. I was able to visit with my family briefly on our way up. We stopped in Roseburg, my hometown saw my mom and my grandmother and went to Mass at my home parish, the Noon Mass, which was the perfect timing. Um, then we got back on the road, continued on up to Mount Angel. We arrived there late, about 5 p.m. Um, and after that, it, the weekend was just a whirlwind of, of events. Um, I had dinner with two of my diocesan brothers. Then the next day, uh, monastic symbol professions, the Benedictine monks, Four of the novices made their first vows, including one who had been in seminary with me, which was cool. Then we had the ordination Mass, our short choir rehearsal, then the Mass, then reception after the Mass. Then I went out for dinner again with some other brothers. Uh, I got caught up with them. And then Sunday, Victor and I got up early, went to the 7.30 a.m. Mass, the earliest Mass, down in the village, Mount Angel, a village of Mount Angel at St. Mary's. Hit the road again (laughs) and headed straight back through to St. Patrick's. Now uh, so we left about nine o'clock in the morning this time and the drive back still took us almost 16 hours and we decided to cut over to highway 101 rather than taking I-5 because we knew it was closed and we were afraid that there would be traffic and the delays might be even worse. So we cut over to 101 which was probably even in retrospect a good choice. It still took us less time in total getting back than it had taken us to get up there. So we had um, so many like beautiful moments on the drive back. It's just like a, a, a continual outpouring of God's majesty and grandeur as we we're driving, especially as we were going over to Highway 101 and continuing on down in between the redwoods um, you know, with the, the, the beams of sunlight coming down through the tree canopy and uh, driving along the coastline, Northern California coast through Humboldt County, Mendocino County. Oh, it was marvelous. We had so many just incredible moments. We stopped and prayed evening prayer, um, shortly, but r- like right before the sunset, some little town, I don't even remember, but we went and got gas and then stopped at a, a park, prayed evening prayer. And, uh, uh, a gentleman approached us who was nearby and asked us to if we would be willing to buy him some food, which we did. And then we prayed with him a little bit and got back on the road, continued to pray for him um, as we offered our rosary. So the drive, the drive down was tiring, but it was such a, I, I felt so overjoyed. Um, and just filled with life and love this weekend. Had been such an incredible gift um, and, and every moment of it was right I, I really felt that looking back at every moment of it was right even all the delays all the hardships and everything that we faced trying to get up there and As we're going back uh, Right as we were we, we went through Santa Rosa. We we're beginning to come into the Bay Area proper and I was beginning to feel really really Drowsy, my eyes were getting heavy, so I asked Victor, "Hey, are you still pretty awake?" He said, "Yeah." So we switched off, and he was driving. Then, uh, and I was praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. So um, I was doing that a lot during this trip. I I've not had a real devotion to to praying that before. This is, of course, um, the the Chaplet that came about through the. The uh, Ministry of, of Saint Faustina Kowalska, who had the revelations of Jesus's divine mercy in Poland, who so influenced Saint John Paul II, she had these visions of Jesus, who revealed to her His Sacred Heart, and He taught her to pray to to console His Sacred Heart, which is so so saddened by the sins of the world, and to pray for Him to pour out His mercy, to, to and also for her and for those of uh, those Catholics, those of the faithful. Who share her like devotion to pray to receive all that mercy that God so desires to pour out, but that is constantly rejected by the hardened hearts of sinners. So that's the divine mercy. So I was so it's this chapel that you just pray again and again. You can really, um, you can really enter into meditation easily with it. It's kind of like the Jesus Prayer of the East. It's a simple prayer you pray on each bead, which is. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world, again and again. So by praying this again and again, entering into this rhythm of prayer, you're entering deeply into the passion of Jesus and this this continual exchange of mercy, pouring out of his mercy. So I was praying this chaplet in silence um, as we're driving along, driving along, uh, and just thanking God for the graces of this weekend, praying for us, the make it home in, you know through this last hour, the 11th hour, or really the 16th hour of the journey. Then all of a sudden, we were getting to the bridge where there's a toll, you have to pay a toll. And Victor and I looked at each other and both realized, oh, man, we don't have any money. <laughs> I thought, I looked at my uh, wallet, I said, I have $1. And he said, yeah, me too. Uh, so we're driving up to the window, just... Knowing we're not going to be able to pay, they never accept credit cards, which, by the way, is ridiculous. This is the Bay Area. I mean, this is the technological capital of the world. You think they could accept Apple Pay or something? Anyway, but so we didn't have any money. Pulling up to the window, uh, and the you know the woman working there says, "No, we don't accept cards. You sure you don't have any cash?" Victor looked at his wallet, and instead of one dollar, he had three dollars. So with my one dollar, that made four dollars, which was exactly what was needed for the toll. So as we were pulling away from this window, uh, feeling totally vindicated, and continuing on our journey, uh, he goes, Victor goes, I wonder if this is what it'll be like when we get to the gates of heaven. (laughs) We'll get there, and uh, you know we'll be like, and, and we'll be like, we don't have, we're just not good enough. We don't have enough merit. But then the Virgin Mary will come running up and say, no, 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 don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I got you. (laughs) It was a fantastic, it was like the cherry on the cake. You know, fantastic. Like one last little um, sign, revelation of God's love and how he's been taking care of us throughout all of this, throughout this whole weekend. So we're returning back to the uh, hardships of the journey up and all of the just like continual uh, stumbling blocks in our way, literal, you know, detours and everything. It was like everything possible that could have happened to try to prevent us from getting to Oregon was happening. I was totally amazed. Never experienced something like this before. But I I mentioned as I was reflecting back on this weekend uh, on the drive home and as I was praying this Divine Mercy Chaplet, entering into the Lord's passion and the outpouring of His mercy from His pierced, sacred heart. I was thinking about how every moment of this had been right. Every moment was right. Not a moment was wrong. You know, it it, it reminds me of the exultet that the church sings at the Easter vigil In the darkness of the night prior to the resurrection, prior to the joy of Easter morning. The church gathers... And the church sings the exultat, this hymn of praise of God's goodness and raising up His Son from the dead. And one line of this hymn that's very, very famous that always sticks with me, the church sings, O Felix culpa, O happy fault, O happy sin of Adam that gained for us so great a Savior. See, as human beings, um, we have an practically infinite capacity to go astray to like mess things up do things wrong to incur grave consequences upon ourselves incur great suffering yet this is the mystery of god's providence for us as human beings our extremely apparently limitless capacity to do wrong to do evil is no match for the truly infinite capacity of God to have mercy and to set things right and to make all things work for His good, for His glory, and for our good, for the good of all. This is um, reflected in a, a beautiful prayer. It's one translation of a prayer at the end of the Te Deum, another one of the church's great hymns of thanksgiving. And it says, Um, Let our hope in You, O Lord, be the measure of Your mercy. Let our hope in You be the measure of Your mercy. God's mercy is infinite. Therefore, we are justified in having infinite hope in God. No matter what happens to us or what we do wrong, no matter what consequences we face for our actions, the just consequences that may fall upon us, we are justified in having an infinite hope in the mercy of God. Because God's mercy, God's love is far, far, far greater than any evil that we encounter in the world. And it's not just far greater in the sense that like an elephant is far greater than a fox or something like that. No idea why those two animals just came to my mind, by the way. But not just far greater in the sense that any created thing is greater than than another created thing, which is smaller than it, but infinitely greater. I think one of the revelations to St. Faustina, uh, the nun I was speaking about earlier of the Divine Mercy, was that she had this vision of the mercy of God, like a vast ocean, She's looking out over the ocean. And all of the sins of the world, all the evil of this world, was less than a single drop in that vast ocean of the mercy of God. I mean, we can't even comprehend the distance between what is finite and what is infinite, Is itself infinite (laughs) no matter how much of a finite thing you have it is incomparable to the infinity of God so this relates to my line of thought as I was praying about this weekend and especially about the hardships now I mean you know it's not like oh boohoo you know poor us we had to take a detour out of our way and fight traffic you know and blah 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 I mean, these are very, very minor sufferings, you know. <laughs> I mean, there are Christians in the world right now who are facing intense persecution, martyrdom, even, in the Middle East. I mean, our little sufferings are very small. Nonetheless, God gives to each one of us uh, a cross which is commensurate to our ability to carry it, you know. You wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't give a little child the same weight to carry as you would give a grown man, right? So you know, we, we, and St John of the Cross says very beautifully, something which is consoling to to little souls. He, he's, we don't often think of St. John of the Cross as being like particularly gentle. <laughs> I mean, I do, but I think in the popular imagination he's seen as like this stern, scary guy. Well, St John of the Cross says, uh, "I believe in the ascent to Mount Carmel, although I couldn't point exactly to where he says this. I'll have to look it up later." He says that um, the sufferings of our state in life, the sufferings inherent to our state of life are sufficient for our salvation. So so many people go out you know who are on the road of perfection, the way of perfection, the road to holiness, they want to be holy, they want to be great saints, and they think, well, what I have to do is you know, fast on bread and water for days at a time, and I have to start whipping myself, you know, self-flagellation, the discipline, i got to sleep three hours a night, you know, do penance for my sins and the sins of the world. Well, doing penance is great, but the the, natural sufferings of our state in life, the sufferings which come to us in God's providence, are sufficient if we accept them with the right spirit, if we accept them with the spirit of love and of humility, And of reparation and offer them back to God in love. See, any practice that I might do to try to purify myself, sanctify myself, or make reparation for my sins, those things are great, but ultimately those are coming from me. Those are my ideas. (laughs) See, it's my initiative. God's initiative is greater. What God gives to me is infinitely greater. And so, the sufferings that God chooses for me in His providence, if I simply accept those in humility, in gentleness, if I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, not just for the joys, not just for the great things, but thank you for the sufferings. Thank you for the hours spent sitting in traffic. Thank you for the uh, white-knuckle, you know, teeth-gritting experience of driving on these dark highways in between trucks with no idea what's around the corner while I'm half asleep. (laughs) Thank you for bringing me through wildfires and then bringing me relief. Everything that God gives us is for our good. If we accept it in the right spirit, so much of our suffering, and here I don't mean just like the things that happen to us, so much of our interior suffering and our failure to grow, and our like anxieties and our, our apparent like lack of love, our sense of being unloved, alone, all of this, so much of this stems from simply not trusting in God, not trusting in his mercy, not trusting that he's got it under control, you know. But if we take St. John's advice, take St. John of the Cross as our example, and trust in, in his word. What he's saying to us is we don't have to go out and come up with extraordinary things to do. We don't have to go do grand projects, whether that's intense self-discipline or, you know, maybe going to Burma, Myanmar to feed the poor or teach substitute teaching in Uganda. Or We don't have to go out and like do great things for God to be holy. What we're doing in our state of life is sufficient if we accept it with the right spirit. The spirit of love, the spirit of humility, docility accepting everything as a gift from the hand of God. And if we accept the sufferings from the hand of God as His gift to us, then we will begin to experience everything in life as bathed in the radiant glow of His love. Just like that rosary my brother and I were praying as we we're driving. At golden hour, what begins to happen as we become attuned in our, our heart of hearts to the love of God continually pouring itself out on us at every moment and every circumstance. We begin to see our whole lives as if every moment were a golden hour of grace, a golden hour of love. So my friends, that's what I have to offer to you today. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus Christ, Our Lord our God we give you thanks and praise for the gifts you continually pour out on us most especially for the gift of yourself which you offer to us at every moment father we pray that you open our hearts to receive the self gift of your son Holy Spirit make our hearts soft make them permeable so that we may receive you who desire to enter in and to reside with us forever. Father, replace our hardened hearts of stone with hearts of flesh, that we may love as you love, and that we may delight in your presence as you delight in us, you who made us for yourself, O Lord. Holy Mary, as we continue to celebrate your birthday, as we continue to celebrate the great gift we have of you as our mother, we ask you to intercede for us now and always. You who are the first teacher of your divine Son, please, Mary, teach us, form our hearts to be like yours, humble, docile, merciful, and meek, so that we in all things may echo your word to the angel Gabriel. I am the handmaid, the humble servant of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen.